Hello again, friends, and welcome to My Back 40 and the My Back 40 podcast. I'm your host, Steve O'Shaughnessy, and today I'm coming to you from out in the field. I'm having a lot of time this weekend to do intros, <clears throat> so I thought I would uh, go for a ride, bring my handy Zoom H4N voice recorder, and uh, just do my intros out here. Um, interesting day. It was an interesting day today. Um, spoiler alert, I talked to Jay Peterberry this morning, which is fucking fantastic. I've been waiting to talk to that guy for a long time, and um, <clears throat> we had a great conversation. Um, excuse my uh, throat clearing, I just had a, uh, just kind of been riding my bike for a little bit. But um, had a great conversation with Jay. Uh, what a fun dude to talk to, and I'll be sharing that with you in a couple weeks. So don't forget to uh, subscribe. And please share and uh, rate and review the podcast so I can grow. I'm trying to bring you guys some really fun, uh, long-ish conversations that you can listen to while riding your bike. <clears throat> and this one with Jay will be no exception, and I really hope you enjoy it. Yeah, so I did that in the morning, and then, um, you know, went for a ride with my little girl and did some art with my little with my boy, my little boy, and um, did some family time, some family things. And then escaped here for a ride and it's been a beautiful ride like the snow is almost all gone um it's cold so it's not super muddy um i know there's a lot of people that get pissed when people ride on uh, on uh, muddy trails but these are seldomly used trails and <clears throat> mostly double tracks and whatnot so not too worried about it um the jeeps and the trucks do much worse uh number on the trails than i am on my on my fat bike but uh yeah, I'm riding my bike and then, you know, just white-tailed deer everywhere and um, eagles and hawks and critters. It's the spring is, is slowly cracking the door open and, and will be upon us before we know it. And also ran into an old ghost from a, from a previous career that uh, it was uh, interesting, interesting to navigate that conversation. And uh, yeah, you know, I think when things happen in our life and some of us heal and we heal at different stages through different stages and and uh the event that happened a handful of years ago was really hard for me to heal from and uh it was interesting running into this person i wasn't sure if i was going to how i was going to really respond but uh you know i think um it made me realize that i'm over it and i think i've grown a lot and I can look into the past and look at that situation <clears throat> and uh, be proud, I think, overall, the way I've handled it. And, and, uh, and this person had some, some interesting words that uh, made me feel a little better about myself and actually felt it felt good to hear. And I think it helped me heal a little bit. And uh, I trust he's being genuine. And uh, so that's kind of, you know, what I'm what I'm hoping, but, uh, it was interesting, interesting day. I'm feeling pretty good right now. Um, yeah, so I'm out on my bike. I put the, uh, <clears throat> four inch tires. I took the studs off, put the four inch, my old four inch Nates. They're like five years old, but, uh, there's still an awesome tire. And I went from a, like, you know, a four point, a 4.6 to a, was a 4.6? No, like a 4.8 to a, to a 3.8. And like, God damn, this fat bike's fast been super fun ripping around on this i'd like to get some 29 plus for this uh for this rig but uh yeah it's not looking too it's not looking like it's going to happen based on things that are going on in the world right now and finances etc so i should just be grateful that for what i have and 
but yeah, super fun ripping around on the uh, on the four inch tires today, and um, it hasn't been too mighty. A little bit of snow, a little bit of ice, no studs makes it a bit spicy, but uh, good all in all. And uh, I think this bike fits me a lot better. Um, my knees don't hurt today. Could be because I've I've uh, took a lot of CBD today. I think it's helping my my knees. And uh, a very good friend of mine gave me um, some salve that she made, some CBD salve. Um, I'm not gonna say who it is. I, I don't think it'll really matter, but <clears throat> I'm not sure if she's doing it on the DL or not. I'm just, I don't know. She should sell that shit because it's good, man. I put it on my knee. I've been having this weird, weird problem with it. But yeah, I'm a, as people who know me well, they know I'm a, I'm a cannabis advocate. And uh, I tell you, the CBD is the shiznit. <laughs> shiznit. Do people still say that? Anyway, yeah, it's the shit. It makes my knee feel really good. So, uh, you know, another thing that can make your knees feel good is a bike fit. And I know that Cycling 101 has a discount code 101VIP20. And if you want to call them up, and uh, I know everyone's in isolation lockdown lately with the COVID-19 pandemic, but you can reach out to Cycling 101 and you can even send them some video of you pedaling on your trainer and they can do an analysis for you and help you fit your bike. And uh, you can use the discount code 101VIP20 to save 20% off that or I don't know what's going to be happening this summer with racing. I don't have a good feeling about it. But for those of you who are still out there training, um, and if you need some advice or some consultation, you can reach out to Cycling 101 and use that same discount code 101VIP20, and you can save 20% off a consultation. Well, the wind's kind of picking up here. <clears throat> I'm trying to like trying to hide from it. I don't have the best uh, best uh, wind suppression on this microphone, so you're probably hearing a lot of uh, a lot of background noise. Not like my mic at home, like my awesome little shotgun mic, but uh, anyway. So today on the podcast, I bring you Vince Hemsall. Vince is the managing editor of Kootenai Mountain Culture Magazine. And um, a couple months ago, well, actually it was, I guess it was the winter issue that came out. There was an article and it was called Ayahuasca, Should You Do It? And I read that article and I was fascinated. I've been fascinated by the use of psychedelics for um, for mental health and PTSD for a number of years now, and uh, have been known to microdose psilocybin. And for those of you who are not familiar with that, that's um, basically mushrooms, magic mushrooms. Um, psilocybin at very low doses has been proven to um, uh, reduce anxiety and in, in uh, anxiety and depression. And um, I can anecdotally say that it's a pretty amazing compound at very very small doses couple times a week. Um, I'm definitely not saying that people should go out there and do it. But for those who are curious self-experimenters like I am, I would suggest maybe doing some research. Check it out. Uh, don't forget that uh, psilocybin mushrooms are illegal. So um, yeah, I'm not advocating anyone go out and do that. But uh, ayahuasca is a brew that is made <clears throat> with a couple of plants. Um, uh, one plant contains a high amount of DMT and the other plant is interesting is that it, I'm going to, I'm no, I'm no doctor, but what it does is it basically prepares your biology so that you can absorb the DMT that is in the plant, uh, in the first plant that you mix with this brew. I'm butchering this, but the, go read the article. It's awesome. There's a link, uh, on myback40.org. You can check out. That'll kind of give you the lowdown of that. But, um, uh, Vince, who's, uh, you know, a dad, uh, you know, uh, he's got a career as an editor and, he was very curious and he, uh, he went on a two day retreat, uh, ayahuasca retreat. And, uh, when he wrote that article, I remember reading it and it was just, it was terrifying. It was a terrifying account of, 
uh, the trip he took. But at the same time, I think that it opened his eyes a lot and um, it, it enabled him to unpack a lot of different fear that he had um, about being a dad. And uh, although it was a ter- the first night was a, ter- a terrifying experience for him, I think he learned a lot. And on the second night, uh, it was a complete 180 to that. And, um, and, uh, I, I just love this conversation. It was so fun to talk to him and, and, uh, hear him recount his, his journey to, uh, his journey inward, his ineffable journey inward. So I think I've blabbed on long enough and I'm looking forward to sharing this with you. So without further delay, I bring you Vince Hemsall. Hey Vince, how you doing? Good. You? Good. Do you have, do you have good? Uh, oh, there you are. Hey, the the picture I saw online, he's had like this massive mop of hair. Where did it all go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slowly but surely, getting no, old. No. Getting old. No, no, no. <clears throat> How was your day? Oh, you know, weird. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all weird, right? <laughs> What's uh, weird? Why is it weird? Tell me. The um. Oh, just yeah. The world's the oh. world's fascinating place right now. It's pretty pretty bananas. <clears throat> I'm gonna have a beer during this, do you mind? No, not at all. Yeah. I microdose mushrooms, so you have your beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I haven't done anything stronger for this interview, don't worry. Oh no, no. It's all good. Um Yeah, the virus thing. What's going on out in Nelson? You're in Nelson, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I don't it's you know what it's just a lot of um people kinda walking <laughs> walking and doing stuff in very small groups. It's it's interesting. It's kind of, it's you know what's fascinating about it? It's so quiet. Yeah. I never actually fully appreciated like, you know, how noisy like Nelson's a small town, right? Yeah. Well, small city, I guess I'll call it. But still, never fully appreciated how much traffic and noise and stuff. And so it's definitely quieting down from that perspective. That's what I always find. I, I haven't been to Nelson um, <clears throat> too, too many times actually, but when I go there, it almost feels like a little, a little few blocks of downtown Vancouver. Like it has a different culture, you know, right. I don't mean that in like a city. It's not city. Yeah, yeah. It's just like this. It's like almost like Banff. Like you go to, you go to Banff. It's just like, wow, it's so dense and busy. And yeah. And um, I guess not as bad as that, but. No, I really like Nelson. It's a good town. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, what, I've lived here 13 years or something Yeah. so far. Pretty, yeah, it's a sweet spot for sure. Where did you come? Good people. There's like, it's a, it's, it's kind of a funky, you know, I've lived in other kind of small towns or whatever. And yeah, this one, there's definitely a rad kind of arts vibe to it. Oh, yeah. A little bit different than most. Where did you come from? Uh, most recently I was living in Newfoundland. Oh, right. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So did you move to Newfoundland or is that where you grew up? Yeah. I'm, I'm originally from Manitoba. Okay. Well, you moved around you're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an Air Canada brat. Air Canada brat. I worked for the uh, airline, so. Oh, did you? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Who did you, um, or what did you do there? In Newfoundland? For for Air Canada. Were you? Uh, oh, no, no. He, oh, my I'm father sorry. was. Oh. Yeah. So when I was young, I moved around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little dense. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you, you're in, you're in Invermere. Invermere. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cool. Went for, That's went for, another sweet spot. It is a sweet spot. And you know what? I can relate. It's weird. It's crazy quiet and people are walking around like in dispersed groups. Like, yeah, yeah I see that. And, and you know, our, I'm just a, I'm a shipper receiver at a kind of a family owned hardware store in town. And mm-hmm. so we have a small crew and mm-hmm. I'm the freight guy. So I'm just in the back. So I'm not really interacting with anyone really a lot. Yeah. So, but it's, uh, I went out, I was walking home from work yesterday and <clears throat> ran into uh, just another walker. And they were going up the same trail and, and uh, we ended up walking together. And it was weird because we, we, we were consciously walking like, you know, 10 feet apart. Yeah. You know, it was just, it just has to be done. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's interesting, and and it's it's been such a divisive thing as well, right? Like you're either there's such a spectrum to to you either panicked about it or you're completely complacent, you know, or you're yeah. some, you're somewhere in that spectrum in the middle. So navi- yeah. navigating relationships with people, it's like you know trying to figure out where everyone's at with yeah. it. It's interesting. Yeah. 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 My buddy, my buddy has Irish roots and he, uh, he loves St. Patty's day. And so yesterday oh, it was pretty funny because like I, uh, I popped my head up there just to see what was going on. It was a bunch of guys sitting six feet apart on, lawn chair <laughs> on his front yard while the sun was beating down on him. You know, it's like, they still managed to make it happen. <laughs> Everyone's holding their breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was different for sure. Yeah, I was walking yeah. through town and and I, I ran into this this girl I hadn't seen for a while and it was like, oh hey Haley, how's it going? And, and we hugged, and it just felt so wrong. But it's so yeah. it's so automatic, right? It's just yeah. you just kind of do it, and when you're not thinking about it, you have to think about it now. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's weird, eh? Yeah. So, um, you pronounce your your last name Hempsall, just yeah. as it's spelled. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. So I don't uh, sound like an idiot and I'm recording now. Full disclosure. I kind of, I start recording as soon as we talk. Cool. Cool. Because yeah, and how's this, how's, how are the levels? How's the sounding? Oh yeah. It sounds really like, good. Yeah. Okay, cool. That sounds good. Sweet. Um, but yeah, so my MO is just kind of like chat, you know, chat about what Nelson and you're, do you mountain bike? You're a mountain biker. Yeah. More so a uh, rock climber. Okay. But, um, yeah, those are my two summer gigs. Definitely into um, rock climbing and mountain biking. You have to be into mountain biking in this town. It's like <laughs> yeah. possible to live in Nelson without owning a bike, you know? It's just yeah. like core culture for sure. You know, I've never ridden any trail in Nelson. The only time I've I've ridden there was like I was coming through on the BC Epic and I stopped at the grocery store and I was just I was there for such a short amount of time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just had to you know, stock up on baby wipes and go. I didn't really spend a lot of time there. <laughs> and I rolled in at like, it's like seven in the morning or something like, right. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I haven't ridden there. I really like to go riding there. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. It's, uh, it used to be, uh, like insanely hardcore and it's, uh, it's definitely mellowing out as the, as the, the population, uh, ages so you know lots of us dads out there are now like no way we want our kids riding down this insane stuff that we used to ride you know so it's starting to mellow out a bit like a uh more, like a the, more fast flowy trails oh, right. a lot less, like you know janky rocky you know break yourself sort of downhills yeah i kind of cut my teeth mountain biking in whistler like i, okay. I, I mountain biked a little bit in ontario and then i moved to whistler and then cut my teeth there a little bit and when, whenever I go back now, like you say, like the dad, right? You go back as a dad and 
you know, go to say to Squamish, riding Squamish and it's like, fuck, fuck that. I'm not doing that anymore. I can't do yeah, that yeah. anymore. Yeah. You just, the, the riding out here in Invermere is so different. Like it's so, um, when I first moved out here, I went for a group ride with a bunch of people and, and my first question was like, so do you guys have roots? Do you have any roots out here? Like tree roots? Because I haven't seen one root out here. Right. In, Squam- right, right. in Squamish, it's more like, do you have any dirt? Do you ride on? Because it's yeah. just all roots, <laughs> right? You're just riding on wood all the time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, riding out here is awesome, though. It's good. It's like wide open, fast, buff, kind of. Not a whole lot of real technical stuff. Right. But, yeah. So, um, tell me what you do. I know what you do, but tell our listeners uh, kind of your story, uh, what you do there in Nelson. Sure. I'm the managing editor for Kootenai Mountain Culture Magazine, which is uh, coming up on 20 years soon. It's crazy. It's been around a long time. Uh, I've only worked for them for like five or six or something like that. Um, and then I also do the online properties, so like all the the digitals and the socials and everything for both Kootenai Mountain Culture Magazine and Coast Mountain Culture Magazine. That's busy. You must be busy. He. You know what? It's 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 perfect because everybody who works at the magazine is kind of it's they all have this sort of Kootenai vibe, right? Yeah. Which means you know we work hard, yes, but we also know hey, it's ten centimeter rule, you know. <laughs> It's puking snow, so we're we're going. So yeah, it's it's a great it's a great organization to work for. Uh, our publishers are um, Peter Moynes and Mitchell Scott, and they've been living here since the '90s. And yeah, they just they've got it dialed. You know, they they're doing a really great job capturing the lifestyle. I think of of both kind of Kootenai, the Kootenai scene, and then also the coast. I don't know. Are you familiar with the Coast Mountain culture? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that one's the editor there is based in um, in uh, Courtney or Cumberland kind of area, and it just does a really great job of kind of capturing that whole coastal mountain scene too, right? It's a beautiful publication. Like, Thanks. oh yeah, when it, um, the place I used to work, we used to get cases of them, and and. When it when the cases hit, I was always the first one to be told. <laughs> just go rip it open and grab one. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a wonderful publication, and the, and the writing and it's uh, awesome. Um, yeah, so oh, that's wicked. It must be a fun job. It's a great gig. It's uh, it's definitely you know it's got its challenges at times, right? Like it's it's still old school publishing um, on paper that you just don't see a lot of anymore. But what's really cool about that is we sort of niched it out. You know, we saw a lot of, um, we saw a lot of uh, uh, publications kind of fold or turn into digital properties or whatever. And we're still going strong, you know, in fact, the magazine's getting bigger. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) Right. I think that's, that's, that's even, um, it's almost like the uh, the culture is coming back around because it's like you know going from reading books to I'm a I don't have a lot of time to just sit and read a book so I listen to books a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's like you're saying it's coming back around. It's coming back around to the rag right where you can hold it in your hand and yeah. you can go to the store and buy it and smell it and and yeah. flip through, slowly flip through the pictures and yeah no it, that's that's cool it's cool that you've captured that yeah it's also cool that. Uh, it's free. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So I mean, like, really, you can't you can't go wrong. Like as a as a general consumer picking up the magazine, it's it's pretty sweet. Yeah, and the, and the advertisements in it. Obviously, there's a lot of ads to make it free, which you know. But the, the yeah, the ads I mean, are high grade, a, it's right? It's still like a a sixty forty split, right? So sixty yeah. percent editorial, but um, yeah, the advertiser or the advertising is what what keeps the keeps the engine running. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's great. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I was going to ask about that. Um, so the online thing. So so now with, are you working at home? Do you work from home most of the time? You know, it's cool. Yes. Um, we did, like, we were all sort of, uh, we're all freelancers, essentially, mm-hmm. and um, contractors for the magazine. I got other clients as well. Like, the magazine feeds my soul. Um, but I, I have other clients that, feed my pocketbook, you know? So it's kind of, it's fun that way. Um, but it's also, yeah, it's, it's, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. It's okay. I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. What was the question again? Well, we were just talking about, um, you so stop I, drinking this beer now. Yeah, I know. And now I've kind of forgot <laughs> what we were even talking about. <laughs> um, I think I was asking with the virus. So now you're, you're, you know, you get to work from home and you've got other clients. Oh, right. And- yes. So what's fascinating is like, we just opened an office. Um, so, Oh wait, uh, I was going to ask well, that too. So you don't have an office, like uh, a central office where people go to, to, to work. We do now. We do now. <laughs> That's crazy. And That's it's awesome. only been since like what last October or something, September, where we were all working under the same roof and it was fascinating because I have to admit, like part of me was, was like, oh man, is this going to, is this going to work? Like, you know, again, I have other clients, so is it going to be like a hundred percent of mm. KMC and CMC when I'm in there? And it's actually fascinating. It, it's a really cool, um, uh, experiment in social interaction because, uh, so many ideas flowing constantly, you know, and, and you just don't necessarily have that when you're just trying to, um, email back and forth, you know, with one another, not to mention the fact that like, yeah, we get, we get instant answers, you know? So right. the other editors and the crew, I'm like, uh, Hey, what do you guys think of this? And I get an immediate response and then I don't have to wait for like an email or whatever. Right. So, so that's pretty great. But ironically, yeah, we're not going into the office right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Self quarantining, right? <laughs> oh, it's yeah, it's too bad you couldn't like sub sublet it to somebody for a while. Right. Oh, right. that's a bummer. But yeah, I get it because you know um, that creative process. I think can really be it, you know it can be catalyzed by other people just injecting ideas. Like, yeah, it just makes for a great creative environment, right? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're a dad. I'm a dad. You're yeah, a dad. I'm about to be uh, how, dad times two. How, so I have a an almost two year old running oh, okay. around the house, um, doing toddlery things, which is hilarious and frustrating and fun and frightening. Frightening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, my wife's uh, pregnant and due in June with our second. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, thanks. And you, you're a dad too. Yeah, man. Hang on tight. Hang on tight. Is that right? <laughs> it's going to be bananas. Oh, man. How yeah. many do you have? Well, I have two as well. Yeah. Okay, uh, Side, what, side what, note, what? I met a woman the other day. She had, she had seven kids. We were, at the skate, we were at the skate park, and I'm like, oh, you have a couple kids? She goes, I have seven. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Really? I can't even In get, this day and age? That's ha- a thing? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, she's got one 
she had one that was uh i think in their 20s like like you know um early 20s kind of moved out of the house and a teenager and then a tween and a something and a yeah i don't know i just i was pretty shocked i just i, I can't get my head around too but yeah i have two kids um my son is uh turning seven my daughter just turned five jasper okay. jasper and sloan so cool. it's it's a trip it's it's a lot of work man yeah I think a lot of the work is just now just nav- like trying to navigate their behavior with one another and just trying to teach them to be kind and just try to play and also teach them that you guys don't have to play together all the time. Like you right. guys, you guys can like have some space. In fact, yeah. mommy and daddy need space. Like, right. you know, it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah. You're, I think it's great. I think you're in, the, you're in a perfect career to be able to, to be there for them a lot. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, and, totally. And you're not traveling. I was talking to someone today and it just made me feel so grateful that, you know, I can see my kids every day. My wife can come down to the, to the store, pick me up at lunch. We can go to a park, you know, it, that that's way better than commuting two hours to, to some city job, you know, and uh, just losing all that time with them. You yeah. Know? So, so I'm pretty grateful yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, so the reason I wanted to talk to you today is, you know, this, this is, I used to be the host of the Bike Pack Canada podcast, and I kind of started this. And uh, it's going to be bike centric, but I want, also want to explore my curiosities. And I saw, I saw the post of of the article mm-hmm. in Cooney Mountain Culture magazine, and it it uh, it, it made me very curious because you know, one, um, it, there's a place in BC where you you could technically go and and you know have an experience. Right. If you so wanted to, and um, and just the uh, the experiences people have are so earth shattering, and uh, you know, po- positively and and negatively. I, I mean, you can have a you can have a bad experience as well. But I really wanted to hear your story about that, like kind of how you, like, has it been something that's always interested you, like um, this kind of self therapy with plant medicine kind of thing, or is it a is it a new uh, evolution for you? I think the it stemmed from essentially a story idea, you know, like a lot of my friends have been um, partaking, whether it was in, you know, an ayahuasca ceremony or really any other number of ceremonies. Um, people were doing dietas, people were going to Peru um, to do it there. Like I was just hearing more and more about it. And then finally, you know, spoke to the rest of the editors and was like, what do you guys think about this idea of, of doing it and and basically sending me in, you know, somebody who is genuinely curious, but I haven't had like a huge hankering to do it. Right. It wasn't like, um, you know, number one on my priority list, but by the same token, yeah, I recognize it's a good story (laughs) and, and I'd like to think it, it is a good story. It's, it's pretty fascinating when you take somebody, you know, who's curious and throw them into uh, a situation with what is ostensibly the, 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 mo- one of the most powerful drugs on earth, you know, and then, yeah, see kind of how it plays out. So uh, I, I interviewed a lot of people beforehand, individuals who were, um, who had partaken um, both legally and illegally people who, um, do ceremonies, uh, ayahuasqueros, I'll call them, or, or um, medicine men, women. And they, they uh, you know, had a lot to say, obviously, about um, 
what people get out of it, um, what people don't get out of it. You know, they're, they're, it's interesting because you said earlier, people either have like a bad experience or a good experience. And what I noticed and was surprised by um, during my, my, my kind of retreat was that people, there were people in there who didn't have any experience. Like they fell asleep, you know, and that's a very real thing, right? Like you can do because it's incredible at the outset, it's incredibly relaxing. So you could, you could just lay back and snore through it if you wanted to. Right. But that's not why you're there. So just for reference, um, cause we didn't really, I didn't really intro this with anything, but ayahuasca is, uh, it's typically a brew that's made with, with, a, with a shrub and a vine. Correct. Correct. So yeah. what I'm to understand is I can't remember which plant is which, but I, I believe the, the shrub, uh, contains DMT dimethyltryptamine, right? I think. Mm-hmm. And I believe yeah. the, the vine, the importance of the vine in the brew is to help your body, uh, open up receptors for DMT in your body. So, Correct. right. Okay. So it is the vine. And I think what's interesting about that, the plant relationship is I, if I'm not mistaken in the jungles of, in the Amazon, the vine actually kills that shrub. So I heard that somewhere. I don't know where I heard that, but it's, it's kind of like a, it's like, like any vine, I guess, right. It would just kind of take over the jungle and kind of choke out everything else around it. So I don't know if that's fact or not, but it's an interesting Uh symbiotic or non-symbiotic relationship really of these plants. Yeah. Um, I think the the really important part about the piece is they're totally innocuous. On their their own, right? On their own. They're just normal everyday like throw them in your salad if you're so yeah. you know desiring they're completely innocuous plants right and and the the fascinating thing behind it is like so some uh medicine man uh like had a vision you know to put these two together like to do the actual brewing process which to me is like where where did that come from yeah before you know? science too how right like how would they even know yeah i yeah. get it like with Alcohol, for example, yeah, fermented fruits, you know, someone left it out too long, somebody <laughs> drank it, and it got a buzz, and it's yeah. like, wait, let's, you know, but this this, this just seems far more, uh, or maybe I'll say far less accidental. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And it, I, I've wondered that too, like all, a lot of these plant medicines that, that come out of the Amazon, you wonder just how they, uh, how the, the indigenous there figure it out. Like mm-hmm. how do they even know? But it, it's a, it's an interesting um, compound because actually DMT is in our bodies. Apparently our lungs make DMT. Um, apparently so, some people had, uh, have suggested that um, our dreams are fueled a little bit by our internal DMT. Um, that's just what I heard. I, I have no idea. I'm not a scientist, <clears throat> but, but I've been curious about this for a really long time. So super excited about it. And I wonder if the people who didn't have an experience, do you think maybe it was a dosing thing? Do you think maybe they just didn't get the right mixture or dose of the, the compound? You know, I would say no. Hmm. And the reason being is like everyone pretty much, you know, and certainly in the ceremony I was in, you could choose to within a certain amount, but if you were new to it, right, then the medicine man um, chose for you. Okay. Or medicine woman. It was a man in my particular case. But um, they chose for you. And it was very, like, it was small. Like, you know, we're, we're talking essentially uh, uh, a portion of a shot glass. Right. Right. 
Like you're, you're not even really doing a full ounce um, at the outset anyway, like as a beginner. So I would say we all did the same amount or more, you know? So, uh, and the individuals who fell asleep either did the same amount as I did or more. Oh, interesting. Um, so I really think, uh, and this was actually really stressed to me, uh, going into it by individuals who had been doing ayahuasca for decades, you know, and, and they're saying, yeah, you just gotta be super present to mm -hmm. it. And it sounds a little bit new agey, but, uh, in my particular case, I, I had to be because like I'm writing a story about it, right? It wouldn't do to, it's not a terribly interesting writing if I'm like, yeah, and I fell asleep and had some great dreams. <laughs> you know? So I, I purposely stayed upright. I purposely breathed deeply, kept my chest open, you know, like yeah. sat really properly. And I think that's, that is kind of one of the, one of probably many things that you should probably be doing in order to fully experience it. Right. Versus lying down and putting your head on a comfortable pillow, you know, like, yeah, you're not a lot of it out of it that way. I don't think at least I wouldn't. Right. So, um, as it, as it came on, so you, I think I read in your article, you, you only took what, what quarter ounce, not even. Yeah. Like a, like a very small portion, very of small that. portion on the, on the first day. Yeah. And it, so, um, did the, uh, the guide kind of recommend um, to obviously to do a smaller amount on the first night. It was a two day, it was a two day retreat, right? Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a weekend. It was a weekend retreat. We were all holed up in one location there was 20 of us. And um, yeah, the first night there was a, a fair bit of explaining, especially for, I think there were four people in our group who were kind of new to it. Um, and so there's just discussion of kind of what was going to play out, how, how it was going to work. Um, I should also stress that like every circle is different, you know, there are different places that you can go and people have different rules depending on, uh, the ayahuasca who's kind of leading it. In our particular case, we were encouraged to like, um, so at the, for the first, I'll call it for the first round, um, the, uh, ayahuasca did all the singing and <clears throat> kind of took you on a journey that way. You know, you're sort of on this sort of wavelength Excuse me. and then, and then from there, um, you had the option to do more if you wanted to. And then, uh, he opened it up to the rest of the, uh, group. Like if you wanted to sing, if you wanted to recite poetry, if you wanted to like pray or whatever, however you were moved, you were encouraged to do so. Um, so, but I have heard of other sittings where, uh, only the ayahuasca sings, no one else is, in, is, is allowed to speak or whatever through it. So yeah, it really depends on who you're sitting with and, and the crowd and it's yeah, different with everybody. That'd probably even change the experience a little bit, right? Like if you're kind of forced to not forced, I hate using the word, you know, forced to, to be quiet and sit and contemplate and, and kind of let it let it come on it could be a different experience than if you were actually allowed to to channel kind of what you were feeling and you know yeah. to, to channel your creativity or to channel what you're seeing or yeah and i mean like later i'll kind of describe the second night but mm. uh the second night was like i mean essentially we were all chiming in uh and i was like singing a language i don't know you know and if i wasn't allowed to do that 
it yeah. very much would have been a, a different experience, you know? That's interesting. I've heard that. Let's go back to the first night though. Yeah. So, um, you, you had mentioned the article, you don't, you have a little bit of experience with psychedelics. Yeah. Yeah. I've done like Normal. magic mushrooms and yeah. stuff before, you know, it's, and so the, at the first round, you know, I, I take a quarter of an ounce sitting there. It's dark. That's the other thing. That's the other interesting thing about this drug is, or this medicine is um, you do it at night and largely because um, you can concentrate better on it, but also um, your pupils dilate. So any sort of light source can be kind of a bit painful, you know? Um, so you're, you're at night, you do kind of the first round and then <clears throat> the ayahuasca sings and then opens it up if anyone wants to do more. So I was feeling good, you know, I was kind of experiencing a bit of a light show and a little bit like the DMD obviously kicked in kind of feeling a little bit, um, uh, kind of floaty. Yeah. Is the word did it, feel, did it feel like psilocybin at all? Is it a similar kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. It, it did. I always know? feel like, you know, you kind of, you're a bit hollow behind your forehead, behind your eyes. I feel a bit right. kind of, you know, floaty. But like, yeah. like, like hollow and open, it's, it has a, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. And, and not to mention like the light show, right? Like yeah. there's definitely lots of, um, shapes and colors and whatnot kind of going on, uh, behind the, your eyelids that you're kind of enjoying, you know? Yeah. So, but, but I'm not like, <laughs> I wasn't getting anything from it. Right. I was just kind of like, oh, this is sort of fun. <clears throat> Um, and then we were invited to take more. So I did, uh, I honestly can't remember how much more I took, but let's just say it was like another half ounce or something. Not, not too much. Um, and, and let's, I should be clear too, by saying like the ayahuasca arrow is like chugging it. <laughs> oh, so, so, I'm like, so wait, so they were, they were actually going on a journey with you. They weren't there. Yes. To, yeah. Hmm. And that's a, that's a, like, there's, there would be a fantastic story. It's just like, how do you, how do you walk between worlds? You know, like that's like, you, you have to kind of come in and come out and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating, but that's, that's not the story. The story was my experience, <laughs> my experience, you know, I took a little bit more and it was fascinating because I sat, I sat back down on the tie cushions that we were, that we were on. <clears throat> and it was almost instantaneous in that I went from, you know, this sort of joy, not, not joyous, but just kind of enjoyable sort of floaty kind of hollow experience, I guess. And then all of a sudden like full on hallucination where I'm in the, um, I'm in the hotel or sorry, the, the hospital room where my son was born. So at this stage he was only, He's a year old and yeah, completely taken back to that, um, that experience. And then what happened after that was just horrific, like the most, um, horrific, uh, imagination or imagining I've ever experienced to the next level. Right. Like, I'm not going to go into details here because personally it's a personal thing. I understand. It's, also, yeah. it's, it's easy for me to say like, and you as a parent can, can fully appreciate this. Like infanticide is just like, a, like horrible, horrible, horrible. And that's where I went, oh, you know? Man. And it was just like, and I'm weeping and like, consider that five minutes earlier, 
I was, you know, seeing colored lights and whatnot, right? Like, uh, nothing that you couldn't possibly experience, you know, if you had like some, a really powerful marijuana cookie, right? Like nothing, nothing outside that. And then, yeah, again, suddenly I'm like transported back to the, um, back to the hospital and I'm there with my son and I'm holding him. And then this like horrific, horrific, um, imagining like hallucination and I, I start weeping and like, it's, I just felt like, um, yeah, I'm just holding him and all this sort of, uh, it's just dark, right? It's just like everything, everything in the room has disappeared, you know, and then, uh, and then, yeah, I'm just holding this, um, body in the, in the dark and, I'm weeping, I'm weeping, and then all of a sudden the lights, the light show returns and kind of envelops us, like sort of swallows us up, right? And and then I came out of that, and you know, this is this is the you know, beyond that, it's, it gets gra- even more graphic because the one thing about ayahuasca, uh, ayahuasca that I'm sure a lot of people know about is like there's a, there's a bit of purging involved, mm, right? Uh. Like, they actually give you a bucket, you know, in case you need to throw up. And there were definitely people around the room, like I could retching, you know, I could hear them. But in my particular case, <laughs> I suddenly <laughs> had to really go to the toilet, you know. And so here I just had this crazy vision and I like, my legs aren't really working properly because I'm still really high and I'm trying to like crawl through the room uh, to get to the bathroom, which is like out, out of the room, obviously. And somehow I manage and then I have like crazy diarrhea that happened, that happened like three times that night. So like after that kind of went back, had more of like, you know, ups and downs, but nothing as, as, um, traumatic or traumatizing as that kind of first vision. And then, um, yeah. And then basically the, like, so that was probably, it started at nine o'clock at night, maybe like two in the morning, you know, everyone's kind of back on like, like back on earth, back on earth. Exactly. If you want to call it that. And then, and then, uh, I think what's really important was, uh, the debrief afterwards. So we're all sitting around. We've been, um, we've been fasting for like half a day, you know, so you stop eating and then after morning breakfast to just kind of clear the system so that the ayahuasca, or sorry, the, um, yeah, the brew could have like a bit more of an impact. And, uh, so we're eating and I'm like, I don't, I don't even know if I could share with people what I've just experienced. Right. It was that, that horrific, that scary. And, um, but I did, and I'm really glad I did because, mm. uh, uh, one of the first things someone said was like, wow, that, that is probably every parent's fear, every parent's nightmare and you lived it, you know, and now here you are on the other side of that and how do you feel? And it was, it was really, it was cool because it was kind of like, wow, I feel light you know, lighter. Like, I feel like I've just unburdened myself with some weight that I didn't even know I was carrying. That's right? so interesting. Yeah. And, and so the debriefing really allowed me to kind of, uh, to, 
to appreciate kind of what I had just gone through from the perspective of, um, obviously I was holding on to that fear, mm-hmm. you know, we all do. Right. But to a certain extent, it's kind of, it's unwarranted. You can't go through life, you know, worried about that. Right. Like you're just gonna, you'll hold yourself up and, and, and not experience anything, you know? So it was great. Um, from that perspective and uh yeah i'm really glad it happened yeah i think the debrief part um they might they might call that integration that might be called integration because you know you want to um you want to unpack you need to unpack that right and you know obviously it probably came to you pretty clearly or they were they were helping you kind of navigate that and unpack that for you but i think that's that's one of the most important things about um from what i'm to understand I'm not, I'm not very experienced. I'm a microdoser. You know, I, I, I microdose psilocybin from time to time. And I know in your article, you mentioned a guy who did it for, um, um, he had a, a major head injury and it, it basically, yeah. it basically kept, kept him even keeled. Yeah. Um, and I can appreciate that. It's, it's an amazing compound, uh, psilocybin even, but, um, from what I'm to understand by, by any psychedelic journey is that that integration is so important because you need to, yeah, you just need to unpack that and solidify kind of what you just learned and have someone interpret, almost interpreting the dream for you, right? Yeah. And it must have been, you know, it's one of those deep-seated fears of, and, you know, I can relate to as, as a dad too, like, we're, I don't think we're as um, innately wired for nurture than than the moms are, right? And and they have such yeah. a different bond and then I always felt as a, as a dad of a, of a, a newborn, just like I was just fumbling around, like, I don't know what to do. And you're just constantly yeah. living in fear. Like, you're going to drop it. Is you going to choke on something? Like, are they going to fall down the stairs? It's like, you know, it's, it's horrifying. It really is a yeah. lot of stress. And I, you know, I've watched my wife give birth to two children and it's just fucking amazing. Right. And, and, but to, to watch her mother or children is, it's different. It's just, there's a different, level of of uh skill (laughs) that i think a lot of guys will have to work really hard to to acquire um so yeah i think we all carry those fears well that's cool that that's valuable that was super valuable so you must you must feel totally different about that now it's yeah and it's funny because like i came out of that night and that experience being like this is not a recreational drug by any stretch right like like no one I know would ever uh, lackadaisically, you know, approach ayahuasca and just be like, yeah, guys, we should <laughs> drop some ayahuasca tonight. You know, like it's not that kind of drug by any stretch. So I don't even like calling it drug, a drug actually. Yeah. You I was know, gonna it's, it's, it's kind of like, like a, you know, Coke is a drug. Cocaine's a drug. Yeah. You know, heroin's a drug. You know, this is a, it's a friggin' plant, man. It grows out of the ground. Right. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I actually made that. Um, I don't know if you remember, but at the end of the article, mm. I kind of I, I corrected myself because I kind of went through the whole experience calling it, you know, a drug, and then at the end of it was just like, no, excuse me, yeah. I, I, I need to be corrected. This is most definitely medicine. Yeah, well, that's yeah. awesome that you got it. I want to do it so bad. I want to try it so bad. I think I have yeah. so many deep seated things rattling around in my consciousness that I would just like to release. I'm terrified though. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's funny because like, I like, you know, here we are 
a year later and it's it's funny like the the fears and the and the 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 intensity of it has lessened somewhat um but 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 the learning has it you know yeah like like i remember walking out of there after the retreat and just being like you're so in tune with um the plants around you like yeah. it was it was uh it was really interesting to kind of yeah come home and be like i have i'm i'm sitting here at my desk in my office and there's a plant i'm staring at it right now and i'm like i didn't even notice that before yeah. like yeah it's it's you you're, you have a living like if there was a if there was a beaver sitting on my desk right you know <laughs> i'd be like whoa there's a beaver on my desk <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, you know, when it comes to plants, you're just sort of like, eh, they're there. And yet they're, they're, yes, yeah, so they're powerful things. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's lots of, um, um, you know, um, you, you know who Paul Stamets is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's a, he's a mycologist for people listening. And if, if you haven't uh, watched anything or listened to anything, um, by him, I would encourage people listening to go and just check it out because it's, it's, it'll, it'll rock your world. Just the way the mycelia in the ground basically is the, is nature's internet, right? And you cut yeah. down, you cut down a tree over there. Well, that tree knows about it. The mycelia yeah. makes sure that tree knows about it. And it's, it's, it's crazy. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I look at plants a lot differently now too. Just, just even from a microdose level, you know, I'll, you know, take, you know, a 10th or two or three tenths of a gram of, of, of ground mushroom. And, uh, you can feel it throughout the day. Like you notice everything, you notice birds, you know, and it's, and you're not, you don't feel it. It's imp- it's imperceivable. You can't, you're not tripping, you're not seeing anything, but yeah. it's, it's an inner, it's an in, in, it's right in the center of your consciousness. And it's, it's almost like it, tu- it's tuning the radio into a different frequency Right, and, and I always find like people I encounter on a day that I that I microdose, um, we have great conversations and like we open up a lot to one another. People, even strangers, he's like, "Hey, how you doing?" You just you, you become more social. You become a more yeah. social person and a more yeah. uh, you, you carry around more empathy for people, and you just feel lighter and just different. You just feel different. It, it, yeah. yeah, it's it's an amazing medicine. What's it like? Uh, describe to me what it's like to. A bike while microdosing. Oh, it's it's imperceivable. No, totally okay. imperceivable. I did a I did a bike packing race. Um, uh, the lost elephant here, just in the in the Kootenays, and uh, I took a little bit on the first day, but um, it's 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 stimulating. It kind of it's um, it's almost like caffeine in a way. Like it's quite stimulating, and it, it just makes you pay attention. I mean, you're not, you're not, uh, you're coordinated. In fact, what's funny, my experience with it is, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a musician, but you know, you become a dad and you don't have a lot of time and, you know, and, um, during, during the time I, I was microdosing and, uh, I picked up the guitar and, uh, not only did I get back to where I was faster, I sense it. I was like, Whoa, man. It's like, you know, you think about, Oh, I'm going to try to make these chord formations. And it's like, uh, but no, I got there faster and cool. and the creativity side of it i was playing different things like 
I don't play a lot of covers. I tend to noodle around and find progressions and just kind of, you know, just make nice music. And I just found it. Um, uh, it's just, it just, it's a creativity amplifier. It's crazy. It's just really, really interesting. And I, I, I play drums as well. And I would say that, you know, the, the little funky beat I put at the start of my podcast, I was probably on a microdose of mushrooms when I did that. You just kind of start feeling it. You're just like, you start playing drums and you have a, you have a beat in your head and you just lay down a track and you're like, Oh, a little, a little guitar. I can hear a little guitar in there. And you just start to just layer Ooh. things up. And, 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 um, since I haven't been microdosing for a while, I haven't felt that musical creativity as much. Right. But, um, yeah, again, I haven't went on a journey with psilocybin yet. And I'd, I'd love to, but, um, yeah, I, I just, the set and setting has to be right. Right. You just have to mm-hmm. make sure you feel safe. And, yeah. and that's why I think, you know, the, the retreat's kind of a good idea in a way, except you're surrounded by strangers, which was that weird. Um, I did have one friend there that I knew. Um, so that was great. And yeah, you're, yeah, to be honest, it was weird. You know, like I'm sitting there across from a 70 year old woman from, uh, the United States who like flew in just for this. And then, uh, beside me is a couple, middle-aged couple from uh calgary drove down and then an 18 year old local you know and it was just it was all over the map and everyone had their own stuff right like the 70 year old uh her husband had passed away and she was um alone for the first time like in however many years you know 50 some odd years of marriage and now she finds herself alone and she's terrified right yeah. And so this is like her medicine. This is the way that she's going to um kind of deal with the fears and the and the anxieties that she's experiencing and good for her cuz the other options, you know, the other legal options are kind of uh pharmaceutical drugs, like drugs. Yeah. Actual yeah, drugs. Precisely. Yeah. Which which as, you know, as I mentioned in the article, um aren't working, right? Like like the uh, suicidal rates in uh, the United States have increased 50% since Prozac was um, introduced. You know, that, that that's a failed experiment. Yeah, right? it's still feeding it to people. Yeah, yeah, precisely. So I think, I think it's time to turn the dial, um, as you mentioned at the outset. And, you know, more and more we're seeing people uh, do that, whether legally um, going down to like, places like Peru and, and other countries where it's actually legal to happen uh, or, or legal um, uh, with the government there or illegally, which was my particular case. And so, you know, I had a bit of anxiety around that. And I spoke to um, police officer before, before signing up just to get a sense of like, you know, where it's at with, um, with the law enforcement and like, Honestly, they, this, this isn't even on their radar, right? Like it's a bunch of people in a, a, a dark house in wherever. You know? Having diarrhea and throwing up in yeah, buckets. Yeah, exactly, and throwing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not going in there. I'm not going yeah, in there. <laughs> they, they just like, they, it's just not even a thing for them, which, which made me, which struck me as, well, actually the, the, the particular officer that I spoke to, was like, yes, we know for a fact that they're using, they're doing trial testing with MDMA, with ayahuasca, with psilocybin, 
um, to treat stuff like PTSD. And so the, that, that, that's all ongoing. And, you know, so for them, they're like, they're like, we got other fish to fry. Like we got, you know, a, a breakout of, uh, this particular drug and that particular drug where people are drying, dying from it because, you know, um, yeah. Now, yeah. was he aware of where, where you were going? Like, are they aware that it's happening in you did, we haven't really talked about where it was. Was it in Nelson? Can you even say, uh, no, it wasn't in Nelson. Um, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'll just say the West Cooties. Um, I think, you know what, <laughs> like it's not that hard to find like, like, so it's illegal in New York city. It's illegal in San Francisco. It's illegal in Vancouver, um, Canada, but it didn't take me very long to track down, you know, individuals that are doing them there. Right. So I think, I think in this particular case, um, it's, it, it really is like where marijuana hmm. has come from, you know, where it was just like people would, like people would, would crack down occasionally, but honestly, everyone, certainly the law enforcement officers that I spoke to were just like, Oh, such a waste of time. You know, <laughs> like why am I giving grief to this guy? who has got a joint in his pocket, you know? And meanwhile, there's a riot going on at the bar down the street. Cause there's a bunch of drunk idiots. Right. Like, so I think now that cannabis is legal, um, we're going to start to see, uh, kind of a, uh, recourse for other, um, intoxicants that, that kind of have a, 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 a more gentle mm. sort of background. Yeah. I think plants are the, are the last thing they should be worried about really. You know, right. It's, it's all this stuff that's cut with other stuff that people yeah. are shooting into their veins and, and, uh, yeah, yeah these, these quote unquote, drugs or these these compounds are are uh they're just not they're just growing out of the ground right it's yeah it's very interesting that people so um second night tell me about your second night blissful I, I yeah remember. as you can well imagine so so because it was a two-day retreat um we stayed uh slept you know eventually went to bed at like four in the morning or something slept through had a big breakfast and then again you start uh fasting at about noon and then the um, the ceremony starts again at around like nine o'clock ish. And as you can well imagine, I didn't want to do it <laughs> a second night around. Yeah. You know, like I wasn't sure I could handle it again. Like it's not fun, you know, crawling to a toilet to experience diarrhea. It's not fun to hallucinate about you know horrific things. So. Is there, are they encouraging you to do a second night for, um, for a particular reason? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm really glad they did because can, can you well imagine it would be a very different story if I was like, uh, ayahuasca allowed me to see the worst vision I've ever possibly yeah. could imagine. And, you know, and, and end of story. Right. Whereas because I stayed a second night and because they encourage you to do a second night, um, I kind of had the, the, the complete opposite experience and I have, I have spoken to individuals who, you know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily happen right away. Right. I guess maybe because maybe because I was open to it and knew that this was my one shot and, and, mm. 
Um, I just went in like eyes wide shut, heart wide open, you know, give it to me. And, um, yeah. And so that second night, uh, I took a little bit more in the, in the first round. And then interestingly, the, um, I got to remember the order of things, but, uh, the ayahuasca arrow, um, approaches individuals that he feels could kind of use, uh, uh, one-on-one singing or one-on-one kind of, you know, uh, interaction. Uh, so he, he, um, approached me and, oh, I think, I think it was after I had the second dose. So again, um, first dose seeing lights and stuff, but feeling very blocked, you know, like, like, like that's the word I would describe it like there, I was just standing on the other side of a door and trying to open it and just couldn't, couldn't figure it out, you know? So when the, the second round came uh, and was offered, I took more, same thing. In fact, feeling just that much more blocked, right? Like, so yeah, so I've just taken more and now I feel like the door has been cemented shut, you know? And it was really interesting because I'm breathing deeply. I'm, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just trying, I'm trying. Right. And, um, and all I'm seeing is like little colorful lights, you know? And so, yeah. And so the, um, medicine man who I named Chuck in the story, Chuck, uh, approached me and was just like, Hey, how are things? And I'm like, I, I feel I'm just blocked. Right. I'm just blocked. And he, and he, he goes, yeah. And then he, he, starts singing a song and he has this, um, he's got, uh, uh, floral water in a, in a jar and he's like pouring it onto my hands and he's pouring it onto his hands and he's, uh, pushing his hands through my hair. And I like, you know, basically I'm just being kind of covered, but not doused, like not soaked. I'm just being, you know, I'll say spritzed for lack of a better spritzed. word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With this, with this, um, floral water. And then he finishes singing his song. He finishes with the whole, like, you know, uh, dousing thing and then says, uh, there, you know, done. And he moves on to the next person. And I was like, okay, well that was weird, but also enjoyable. Like this floral water sounds really, really great. And all of a sudden, bam. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, uh, it's instantaneous, and I am in the presence of divine grace, is like how best I would describe it. I felt like I was in the room with a goddess, you know? Did, and you, this did goddess, you see someone, like a being or a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And interestingly, it took like a plant form. And I should I should preface this by saying like, I'm not a religious person, you know? I don't... I don't I'm, I'm not big on the whole deity scene and um, but in this particular case, I'm just like, well, there is this being in the room with us and with me and it's taken the shape of a plant sort of loosely. Right. Uh, lots of tendrils. Like you mentioned earlier, the idea of everything being connected. And I had this like tiny, tiny little glimpse at just that, right? Where it was like, it took the form of a plant, but there were tendrils connecting everything, you know? 
And so it was kind of, it was, and it was also like, I was, I was literally sitting there with my jaw as far open as I possibly could. And my eyes are just like bug eyed. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, awesome. and, and like, and, and absolute joy, like the complete opposite from the um, experience I had the night before where it was horrific and I'm weeping and now I'm weeping because I am in like absolute beauty and grace and divinity. Um, do you think that there's the idea of quote unquote breaking through? Was that kind of a breakthrough moment where you break through that other side? And cause people talk about, it seems that people who have, have DMT experiences all seem to, um, talk about the same thing. Like they see the same beings, even some of the same shapes and colors. And it, it's almost like when you break through, it's you're opening a veil to a different reality. That's what it sounds like to me. It, it, and, mm. and it seems, it seems like, you know, you talked about the, the guy chugging it. <clears throat> it seems like the higher your dose is, the, the more veils get kind of like opened up. And, and, and I've heard anecdotal, uh, you know, stories about people saying, yeah, and I met these, these DMT beings and it was beautiful and it was just, I was crying and I was happy. And they were basically like, they were telling me to like, turn around and have a look. And I turned around and I looked and it was like, oh, this is what it's all about. It was just kind of like this big, like, oh, and then, <laughs> oh, it's all bullshit. This is, the real, you know what I mean? This is our beautiful reality and everything's connected and we're all one thing. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, do you feel like that's kind of where you went or do you think you could have gone? Yeah. Further? Yeah. To a certain extent, I would be, I'd be careful, uh, in saying that, um, you know, you do a larger dose and you get to see more. I think, mm. I think in the case of, of certainly the ayahuasca arrow that we sat with, he'd been studying this for 10 years, you know? So, I mean, or longer. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's not just that he chugged a lot more than I did. Oh, I didn't mean to disrespect him. I didn't. Yeah, no, no, no. But I'm just saying like for your listeners, you know, you doing a a lot of ayahuasca is not necessarily going to help matters. You know, like I think, I think, I think the idea of you being open to the possibilities and you coming in, um, yeah, open-minded, like not being closed to the possibilities, right? So if you came in and you're like, ah, ayahuasca, this is all bullshit, this is stupid, like why am I even here? I honestly don't think you're going to get anything from it, right? Like why Why would you, right? That, that's that set and setting idea, right? Like yeah, the, your yeah. mindset going in. Exactly. And I think Exactly, super important. Yeah, and you going in with that mindset like, you know, I need to get something out of this because, you know, I'm writing an article and I need to, and, but you went in with an open, you were open to the yeah. possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. And I have had, I have had people, you know, call me out and be like, are you sure you experienced all this? Or is this like, you know, did you, are you, you kind of, you know, playing it up a little bit bigger than it needs to be simply for the article? And the fact of the matter is I'm not like there are moments, there were moments on that second night that I, I didn't delve into in the article because I don't, honestly don't even know how to explain them, right? Like, like for example, uh, we started singing a song, the entire group, right? So 20 people or those who are awake and, you know, conscious, whatever, 
are, are singing the song in a language that I, to this, like, I don't even know what it was. Like it sounded maybe Yiddish, you know? And then there are moments where uh, I felt like we were channeling cultures from another time. You know, like we were, we were in a long house and we were indigenous peoples in this particular tribe. And I felt like my sister was singing across from me. And all of a sudden this woman on the other side of the room in our time, in our reality, you know, said, brother, it's good to see you again. And I took that in as like, yes, sister, it's good to see you. That I don't know, like, where did that come from? Right? Like... There, there, there are moments in that second night that I just can't explain, you know? I'd like to. <laughs> I'd like to do a better job of it. But all I, all I can say is that we feel, I feel like we channeled cultures from other times and other places. Well, I think our, our genetics go back thousands and thousands and thousands of years, right? I was listening to, um, do you know who um, uh, Christopher Ryan is? He has a podcast called T- Tangentially Speaking. It's an amazing, he, he, wrote, he wrote Sex at Dawn and um, okay. Civilized to Death. Um, those are his two books, I believe. <clears throat> awesome podcast though. But uh, they were talking about, he was talking to a guy today just about, uh, about uh, taking teenage boys into the woods, those, like retreats, same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, get just go get primal, right, and teach these boys who are inner city kids how to, how to, how to, you know, build a fire and you know, mm-hmm. build a shelter and stuff like that. And and um, he was just saying, you know, you you teach these kids, you're sitting in front of a fire, and there's something that that's innately, intrinsically pleasant about sitting watching a fire with with your with your friends right and you could yeah. sit there and be at peace and oftentimes you know if you're sitting around the fire with your buddies or with with a couple different people men and women and couples and stuff the conversation just is crazy right mm-hmm. like you, you you know it opens you up almost like an ayahuasca ceremony and, and it's because genetically you know for thousands of years before civilization we were sitting in front of fires you know staying warm staying together surviving the night and it's it's so ingrained in our culture so it's no surprise to me that you take these plant medicines and they're basically, you know, yeah, look, look, look what you, this is the way we used to be. And, and you're actually, mm-hmm. you could even be a re- reincarnation of some of these souls that, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, the, the, you know, how uh, the universe is a massive, massive entity, but it's still closed. It's a closed system. Mm-hmm. Like every single particle in the universe is like, we're breathing dinosaur air and we're drinking dinosaur pee and, you know, yeah. like we're basically, I, I think I, I said it in one of my pieces once, we're basically star ejaculate, right? Right. <laughs> right. Stars blow up, you know, they scatter shit to the universe and then it coalesces and then suddenly you've got, you've liquid and different matter. And then, you know, suddenly it's a single cell organism and suddenly it's multi-cell and suddenly it gets a conscious and a consciousness. And now it's, you know, it has survival instincts and then you just keep growing from that. And then now it's a plant and the plants even have survival instincts. Caffeine and coffee is a survival. They evolved, right, to survive. That's what caffeine mm-hmm. is, is to keep the insects away. So it's just like, yeah, we're, it's so amazing that you got to have mm-hmm. that experience and see that. I think that's so rad. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, it, it was unexpected, 
like I again not a religious person yeah. but I felt like I met a goddess that night so was there any integration uh involved in that second night like um yeah yeah there there always is in this particular group in this particular sitting so we uh you know things closed down but we it was cool we were all singing at one point and then like people were saying prayers and like uh hopi language that's crazy and like was it actually hopi language no i mean it was a hopi prayer sorry Mm -hmm. but like yeah, I heard it as Hopi language. Like, like it was, you, you could understand it inside your head. Yeah. You're understanding the words. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah. And so afterwards, you know, and I, I it's, it's interesting because the first night I couldn't wait. Like, I was just like, let this end, please, mm. God, let this end. Right. And, and on the second night I was like, no, (laughs) don't go away. Give me that bottle. (laughs) Give me more. Exactly. So, I mean, and it's, it's, it's super, it's, it's, uh, like, I don't want to, you know, play it up too, too much because it it can get like a little bit ridiculous, you know, Mm. you're just like, oh, wow, I met God while like, you know, doing this drug or this medicine or whatever. It sounds a bit much, but what what I would say or what I do will say about it is it's it's a moving experience, you know. And so if you if you come to the table um, with consciousness and you're like, it's going to move you one way or another, you know. And so by the end of the second night, uh, yeah, we had a debrief session and I was very moved from um the perspective of like i just i feel i felt like i had uh seen the dark and the light mm. that's a good way to look and, at it which is crazy when you think of like it was two days you know there's a weekend out of my life yeah and those experiences were experiences were completely 180 right from yeah. one another yeah diametrically opposed if you will like just completely yeah. different experiences yeah. And what's yeah. interesting is like, I don't have a calling to do it again. Mm. Not right now. Anyway, that could change, you know, but I'm really glad that it happened. I'm really glad that, um, I managed to write the story about it. it. That was a trippy experience because I was essentially just coming down off it all. Right. Like I, I, I left there on Sunday and on Monday I was writing the story, <laughs> you know, it was just, really, really hard to keep it grounded. Right. Cause you're just, thankfully I have a great editor team and, and they all, you know, uh, we went through a different, different rounds of revisions and whatnot, but it was, it was really hard to kind of capture it, you know, in, in however, like 3000 words or whatever. It was well, just, it's a great story. You know. I, Thanks. What I think is great about that story too, is it kind of, it, it encapsulates so much knowledge in how many words you say 7,000 words. No, no, 3,000 words. It's just like, you know, it, cause it, it, it introduces it. And then you talk about the history of psychedelics and how they were, you know, you know, basically villainized, you know, in the sixties and, and basically who was it? uh, Who was a scientist? He wanted to put it in the water. He was that crazy guy that ended up going to jail. I think not Fadiman, Fadiman. I can't remember. Terrence McKenna, maybe. I don't know, but he was, he was so moved by these, these compounds that he just, 
he just wanted to put it in, in the drinking water. He thought that it would be, we'd be better civilized. We'd be way better people <laughs> if we were all just kind of like, yeah. Instead of chlorine, have like a <laughs> in the water. Yeah. It'd be different. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a different society for sure. Um, so coming, coming back to back to earth and, and integrating back into life, you didn't find it difficult to kind of come back from. I was, I was really conscious of like connecting with people when I got back home, uh, of connecting with people who I feel safe with and like, you know, are, are really close to, uh, obviously my wife, um, but like friends, you know, individuals who had either a done it before or B, I just felt like comfortable telling them everything. Cause I, I wanted to be, you know, unfortunately this, this, this word is overused, but I, I really wanted to be authentic about it. Mm. Like come out of there and just gush, you know, yeah. and be like, this is the horror and this is the beauty and this is everything that happened to me. And, and like, I just needed to download it. Um, and what was, what's great about, you know, the town that I live in is <laughs> people are more than happy to, to embrace it and talk to you about it. And it's not vilified by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Like, I'm not sure if I lived in, you know, back in Manitoba, would people, you know, look at it the same way or, or, or would they be like, you went and did something illegal, mm. you know, like, uh, it's like, it's the equivalent. You might as well have gone off to a uh, retreat and shot heroin, right? you know, which is definitely like some people believe that. And it's unfortunate because it's two very different things, but not in the eyes of the federal government, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. Like what you said about, um, about really not driven to do it again. I think that's, yeah. the, that's the thing I think that's different with psychedelics is it's like, yeah. you know, you, you might go on a crazy, uh, have a crazy experience or a journey to that other universe. And then um, you're going to learn some tough lessons in a really short period of time. You know, you're, you're going to be taught the plant teacher, right? The plant teacher is going to teach you and then put you back on the world. And it's like, you know, with your first, your first night just being so horrific you know, I'm surprised that you, you had the, the positive mindset on the second night actually to go into it and have a good experience. Cause you know, you're still, you're probably still churning away on that bad experience or that not a bad experience, but that horrifying experience of, of right, the right. first night. <clears throat> but yeah. Who, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't want to do it. Like I, I basically talked to those, you know, who were there at the retreat and, and kind of talked my way through it. Right. It's not like they convinced me. It's not like they were like, you have to do it, man, whatever. But it was more me being able to, you know, see the positive side of the, of the, the horrific stuff that I kind of endured the first night. You know? Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that story. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was definitely, it was an amazing experience. If anyone has any kind of questions about it and stuff, I, I recommend there's a, a company um, based here in Nelson actually called retreat guru and their whole, um, I mentioned them in the story, but their whole shtick is they're trying to make ayahuasca ceremony safe for everybody, you know, around the world. So obviously they can't do that necessarily here in, in Canada because it's, it's a, it's an illegal thing, um, right now, but yeah, if, if anybody's interested, I, I recommend doing the, the research first. And the reason being is it's like, you have to appreciate you're, you're really vulnerable right? Mm. Like you're, you're really high. <laughs> so 
if you're in a, in a not safe setting, yeah, it, it can be a, a scary thing. So would you do it yeah. again sometime soon? Do would you do it again? Ayahuasca? Yeah. No, I think I, well, I already said, like, I don't have a calling for it no. right now. I feel like, um, if I do have the calling though, if like, say I encounter, uh, some challenge or I just feel blocked for whatever reason on a, on a familial level or, a, or, or whatever, then I know that it's something that's there for me, but you know, you're not going to pop aspirin every day. Right. Yeah. You know, you're not going to like, you're not going to double down on extra strength Tylenol every single day. And that is literally what I feel like this is. It was, it was a medicine that I did that uh, was required at the moment or at the time and place where I was at. And I'm really glad I took that medicine and I, you know, feel better for it. Yeah. And I think but that... do I need to double down on the medicine right now. No, <laughs> no, I'm good, man. I'm really good. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> well, exactly. that's, that's great. Well, it's like, um, you know, what you mentioned in the, in the article, the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies, they're doing, uh, mm. I don't know. I don't think they're using DMT, but I think they're focused more on MDMA. Yeah. And, um, I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them using a lot of psilocybin. They must be as well. But, um, yeah, it just shows that these, these plants are being used to actually treat legitimate, um, conditions that people have like depression and mm-hmm. PTSD and anxiety. Like I, I find yeah, the, the, the psilocybin for anxiety just at the microdose level is just makes you chill out. It's just like, yeah. you know, you don't have to worry about as much stuff. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I was going to, um, suggest, like, unfortunately I'm blanking on the author's name, but, um, the book is, uh, how to change your mind. Oh, Michael, that, Michael Pollan. Thank you. Michael Pollan. Yeah. Amazing book. Uh, fantastic book. And it's also like a similar scenario, right? Here's a guy, he's a journalist who's not terribly tempted, right? He's not like, it's not like he's doing drugs all the time by any stretch of the imagination. But after hearing and talking with individuals, he's like, all right, I'm going to try this because I, I hear that there's legit stuff around it, you know? And so having read that book before going on this journey, it really put everything into perspective for me, right? Where it's like he approached it in a really respectful way versus a lot of times we're just like, hey, dude, you know, pop these shrooms, dude, like drop this acid or whatever. And it's like, party, party. And it doesn't have to be, you know, like. Yeah, I was going to say earlier, it's just kind of like, you know, having, having not a lot of, a lot of experience with psychedelics, but being, being an older guy and, or person and going into it more analytically, I think it's, it's Mm -hmm. almost good to like save it. You know, they're, they're they're powerful medicines and they shouldn't be used, um, kind of flippantly, you know, Mm -hmm. um, especially at the really high doses. And, and I think that, um, I think they can help a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I would encourage anyone, same what you were saying, read that book. It was an amazing book. Mm-hmm. And just considering he was what mid, was he mid fifties or late fifties? Super analytical. Yeah, yeah. You know, he did what you did. He interviewed a lot of different guides and you know, some he didn't feel very safe with and some yeah. he didn't really relate to. And and that goes a long way to, I think the, the experience you're going to have is yeah. being able to at least relate to your guide. Another yeah. one I'd recommend, I talk a little bit about psychedelics in it, but uh, Sam Harris is waking up. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a bit more slanted towards a mindfulness meditation practice, 
but mm-hmm. he does talk a little bit about psychedelics in it as well. And it's definitely helped a lot of people, I think, um, just just get over so much bullshit that we're yeah. rattling around and inside our brains. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I would also um, say that because because what's happened is we're seeing we're seeing a, a, a surge or in use or uh, people kind of wanting to do retreats and stuff. And I think that's great. But I also think, you know, um, don't do it so that you can like Instagram it. Right. Yeah. And, and honestly, like save your money. It re- it wasn't cheap. It was like 500 and some odd dollars for a two day retreat to do this thing. And if all I got out of it was like, Hey, you know, a selfie with like, yeah. you know, me sitting there, uh, in the meditation room, like that would have, there's no point, right? It's not, it's not there for your gram. It's there for you as a, as a, as a human being that can grow from this. Right. I have to ask, but they, you probably, no devices were allowed in that room, I imagine. Right. No, no, not at all. Cause I could just imagine someone like doing a selfie with the group in there Um, with the, the way things are now this day and age. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a personal experience. Right. And yeah. And yeah, yeah, there's, there's sure. no there's no place for that. So what's next for yeah. you? What's going on for you now? Um, let's see. Well, we're putting together our 2020 summer issue. So, um, yeah, it's fun. I just like I got the, I have the greatest job. Yeah. Right? Like, you know. So here we are talking about an experience where I got to you know um, go on a on a medicine journey with ayahuasca, and then. Right now, I'm writing a story about um, this individual, Fred Tober, in the Okanagan. For those who have like driven past uh, or driven through Osoyoos, you've probably seen his van. It's like this crazy, crazy van, like completely decorated uh, and painted, like from the hubcaps to the antenna. So weird, and he's such a weird, eccentric (laughs) guy, and and just like. You know, this he became a country singer when he turned sixty-one and and retired, and and there's like the sadness to the story, you know. So I'm like, I yeah, I get to tell his story. You going to go right? hang out with him for a while, or have you already kind of done that? You, you know, it's funny. Like it, it is. This is this is sort of a little bit of the behind the scenes magazine um, stuff, but uh, we had we had um, gotten another writer. Uh, or assigned this to another writer. And unfortunately it fell through. The writer fell through. He wasn't able to do it. And I really wanted this story, but I'm not about to travel to Asoyas, especially, you know, in these times, right? Mm, right now. Yeah. So I managed to track him down on the, on via phone, but he doesn't own a phone because he's an eccentric dude. Right. <laughs> and like, I had to, I had to, oh man, call the, call the uh, motel that he's staying at. It was just, the story of just trying to find this guy is is fascinating, right? And then when I finally do get him on the phone, he's just yeah, he's an he was an amazing interview. Oh, that's so great. yeah, that's the the next story I'm working on. It's fun. I'm looking forward to that. Where could people find you online? Do you have an online presence? Yeah, I mean mountainculturegroup.com. Yeah. That's that's our that's our magazine digital hub. And we're on Kootenai Mountain Culture on Instagram, Coast Mountain Culture on Instagram as well. And um, yeah, we're pumping out awesome independent journalism that, yeah, we need to see more of these days. That's awesome. Thanks Mm -hmm. for your time tonight, Vince. I I really enjoy talking to you. 
Yeah, absolutely. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Right on. We'll, right. we'll keep in touch, okay? Sounds good. All right. Have a good Take night. Easy. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I want to thank Vince again for his time. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in as always. And um, I hope you dug that uh, from time to time. I'm, I'm going to branch out and just, you know, talk to people about topics that maybe I don't ordinarily talk about. And uh, I think it's fun. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Matt Bain, sports psychologist. Uh, hopefully in the next couple of days, uh, we've had to postpone uh, our chats uh, a couple times now. Um, you know, in this reality of COVID-19 pandemics, just um, people's lives are just crazy right now. So, uh, yeah, hang in there, practice your social distancing, but yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to Matt cause we're going to talk about, uh, stuff like, you know, coping through times like these. Um, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about, uh, how to stay connected in times like these. Um, you know, even though we can't be with one another, we can, we can still, you know, in this day and age, uh, we can still talk to one another via FaceTime or Skype or MSN Messenger, and it's important. We can have dinner together over those uh, over those mediums. And it's important to do that, I think, just to try to stay connected. You know, we haven't had to deal with something like this in in our lifetime, and I'm sure we have uh, um, older people in our family that can relate to uh, some of the some of the other diseases that have affected the human race. Uh, over the last say 100 years um but yeah this is all new to us so we're all just kind of (laughs) flailing trying to make our way through it and i hope that podcasts help people to stay connected and to learn from one another if you like the podcast i'd encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and also uh rate and review you can give me a five-star rating on apple Podcasts. that'd be awesome it'll help me grow and uh, expose this podcast to more people Yeah, and the reviews are awesome as well. So uh, I love hearing from you guys and I'm looking forward to bringing you more conversations. Don't forget, if you need a bike fit or a consultation, you can reach out to Cycling101 and use the discount code 101VIP20 to save 20% off those services. I want to thank Rebound Cycle and Cycling101 for supporting me. By supporting me, you're supporting the My Back 40 podcast and I really appreciate it. So everyone, stay well, stay safe. I'll see you in a week. Keep the rubber side down. Super excited to bring you this conversation with uh, with Vince Hemsall, uh, the managing editor of Kootenai Mountain Culture magazine. Uh, Vince went on a... Uh, went on a, uh, this is too distracting. I gotta go somewhere else.